With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Welcome to the Chase Down on Leverage the Chat, your source for all Orlando Magic news. I'm Justin Rowan without my co-host Carter Rodriguez as he thinks he's too big for the show. I am joined by a special guest to help break down the Magic's recent loss to the Celtics and talk all things about the true best team in the East, Zach Harper. Zach, how are you doing today? Uh, you know me. I can't pass up Orlando Magic talk. I know. Well, I, I mean, they're so good. I mean, Aaron Gordon's playing well. Um... I mean, <laughs> the shtick would really DJ work. The, still alive. Yeah, yeah. The, the, Terrence Ross, I mean, he, he scored over 50 in a game once before. That was fun. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a long time ago, but he did it. I remember <laughs> it. The shtick would work really well if I knew how to talk about the Orlando Magic. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't know that Orlando, Orlando Magic people know how to talk about him right now because there's no, like, I get it. You're happy they're hitting 40% from three and they're like, you know, what, six and four or seven and four or something like that at this point. So you're excited because you thought it was going to be another, oh, shit, here's a 30 win season um, with the Orlando Magic once again. And, and maybe that's not going to be it. But there's no way you buy any of this is real, right? Um, no, not necessarily. <laughs> like yeah. Aaron, Aaron Gordon, hero ball is very fun when it's working, but I don't know if it's going to work over 82 games. And I'm sure he's going to shoot 55% from three all year. I bet that's going to happen. <laughs> I think that's as likely as J.R. Smith shooting below 20% from three for the year. Um, you, you know me. J, I like, I'm all in. I think J.R. is doing a brilliant job right now. He's getting all the misses out of the way now. <laughs> And that way, the stretch run in the playoffs, 100% shooting. You can guarantee that. <laughs> well, it's just so weird to see JR scared to shoot at times. Like that, that, that hurts me to my in in my core. Like he's he's gotta he's gotta at least take them. Yeah, that, that's like the you know this never happened to my dad, but um, I, I would assume it's like if you're a kid and you and you think your dad's like a superhero, and then like you watch him get beat up. <laughs> in public and it just it just shocks your world in so many ways like in a similar like so my dad was like this my dad's a tough guy he was like a champion wrestler in high school and went to college on a you know a, a wrestling scholarship and he was in the navy and um you know he was a probation officer like he's a like a he's a tough guy but i remember he got kidney stones once mm-hmm. and like had to leave had to leave work at, at juvenile hall and like we got this call that like oh you know he he had to be rushed to the hospital we didn't know why and we get there and I'm like Jesus you know my dad like he's toughest guy I know and you know I, I was I think I was like 20 at this point 19 20 something like that I'm like you know if he's if he's having to go to the hospital it's like it's got to be serious and then we find out it's kidney stones and then I hear him like yelling in pain <laughs> from the kidney stones and it like it wasn't funny because he was in a lot of pain but this like same like time, Kramer like, at the circus right, well, this is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, all right, well, this is this is going to be funny later on. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is one of those rare moments where I can see him in a vulnerable position. <laughs> right, exactly. So like, um, so like J.R. Smith, like being scared to shoot, it's rocking my world. I don't like it, but I feel like, you know, four months from now, we're going to laugh about this. That that seems likely, but right now the Cavs are a really bad basketball team. Um, for anyone that didn't pick up on it earlier, we are not going to be talking about the Orlando, Ma- 
Orlando Magic today, sorry. Um, instead, we, we got a special Bad Knees edition of the podcast, so we're, we're, I'm excited to have you on, Zach. This, this should be fun um, to peel back the feels curtain for one moment. Um, you, the EOB pod was a big reason of why I started getting into this, so um, that's, it's, it's really cool to have you on. For everyone listening, you can now blame him for needing to listen to me now. Um, you, you empowered a lot. Well, I don't. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to wear that one. That's a. That's a. That's a lot of burden on me. Hey, if I can make your mentions a worse place, it's it's a good day for me. <laughs> You've done that a few times. Good <laughs> I don't believe you, not even slightly. But uh, yeah, the Cavs are they're interesting right now. Um, I'm actually making pretty decent money. I know Carter's typically the degenerate gambler on our podcast, but the last couple of weeks I've. I've done well predicting the Cavs because they're predictably hilarious. It's I, I, on Thursday. I was like, wouldn't it be hilarious if they won against the Wizards and lost to the Hawks? And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> it's the most Cavs thing possible. Not that they necessarily looked great in the win against the Wizards. I know everyone wants to point at that and be like, oh, look, when they, they try, they beat any team. They, they still gave up just an ungodly amount of points. Right now, they're not a great basketball team, but they're a little bit better when they try. Yeah, I think the weird part is just that, it, like, LeBron isn't going half speed, right? Like, he's not right. really pacing himself. Like, there was the whole thing about, oh, I'm out of shape, and, you know, had a great opening night or whatever. And then um, and in the 57-point game, everyone's like, oh, if this is out of shape, you know, how, how great is that? And, you know, everyone <laughs> starts patting themselves on the back for the same joke. And it, But, like, the problem is that he tried against the Hawks. Yeah. Like he's he's trying in these losses and the team just isn't I don't I don't I don't want to say they're not good enough. They're just playing like shit. Mm-hmm. And so they're just not they're not playing well enough. Like there's clearly enough talent on this roster. Um JR is not gonna shoot twenty three percent from three. Uh Jay Crowder I don't think is gonna shoot below thirty percent, but also like I didn't trust that number last year. Right. Like coming had, into last shot. coming into last season, his career three point percentage was worse than Amon Schumpert's. Like yeah, like that's I mean not ideal, right? <laughs> like no one's comfortable with Devon Shumpert shooting a three pointer. So, like Jay Crowder, it, and it was kind of like I think I wrote something, um, maybe towards the end of the season where it was like, look, if this is Jay Crowder, like he he becomes the biggest bargain in the league on that seven million dollar contract, and you know next time he comes up from free agency, if this is the player he is, he's going to get crazy paid, and you know this is this is what the you know star role player for these teams are supposed to be. But it was just one year of good shooting, great right. shooting. But it was just one year, and those one year, you know, increases. I usually like to see, you know, a minimum of two years before I really buy it, unless you can just tell that guy's a special shooter, um, which you'd never have had that idea with Jay. So, like, I don't think he's going to be a twenty-eight percent shooter moving forward. But I don't know if he's going to approach thirty-nine percent, you know, for an extended clip either. And then outside of that, like, Tristan just doesn't like really do anything defensively right now yeah which is which is surprising to me like kevin love is shooting horribly um and they don't let him play make a lot enough like uh, you know derrick rose is whatever i don't even care at this point like it's it's he's just this entity that is strictly in the nba to give us a talking point and to make people in chicago feel pride for <laughs> reasons beyond my like i just don't get it like they're i mean yeah he just doesn't seem like someone up. you want to rally behind like I, I i've never really understood that unless he it, it was the hometown thing in chicago but outside of that like yeah. I, I just don't i don't get it 
And he was like that MVP year. He was great. He was a lot of fun. And that's it sucks that like I don't I don't know what to think about that off court stuff that that he went through last year uh, or at least with the trial was last year. Like I don't like there was enough in that case that made me feel uncomfortable on both sides of just not understanding. And he came off just sounding like an idiot with that stuff. So like, let's just set that. We shouldn't set that aside, but let's just set that aside as a player. He was awesome. And it sucks. The, the injuries, you know, robbed him of of being able to be awesome anymore. And he can still have like these little flashes where it's like, Hey, it looks like Derek Rose. But for the most part, like, (laughs) It's not like the, it's not like he's a legend. Like he's a Chicago legend, but it's not like he's an NBA legend, even with the MVP. So I don't un- totally understand like this diehard nature if you're outside of Chicago. But I don't. I mean, I'm dead inside anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Aren't we all dead inside? That that's what we go to Twitter for. Because exactly, you get that little retweet, or you also get that review, subscri- subscription, five star rating. You know, things yeah. that help brighten our day. Exactly, and like you know the. It's nice when you get the attention, but if you have a five to one like to retweet ratio, <laughs> you know, you're happy, but at the same time, you're like, why aren't you guys just retweeting it? Yeah. You know? that's, Those that's, are the moments where you like, realize really, that you're dead inside. Yeah. That's when you truly know. You're like, oh, wow, this is, this is way worse <laughs> than I thought it would be. Yeah. The Tristan stuff is really kind of problematic. I mean, we, we did have Windhorse on uh, the pod last week, and, and he was talking about how he was playing through a knee injury early in the season and, um, even though he's not one to typically talk about the injuries that he felt that he it was still affecting him and with this calf strain the the hope is that it also gives him time to kind of heal up that knee injury because as much as Isaiah Thomas coming back is going to help things as long as he can return to let's say 80% of what he was last season I think Tristan Thompson is far more important in terms of the Cavs getting out of the east cuz in the past it seemed like it would be a long shot for any other East team to overtake the Cavs and go to the finals. And um, I I mean, obviously, the Gordon Hayward injury kind of limits Boston's chances there. But without Tristan Thompson completely effective, like he's the one guy that can actually anchor the defense on the interior. He's a big part of the matchup advantage against Boston because he's so good at neutralizing Al Horford who right. is a tremendous player, and it's really just kind of a matchup thing when it comes to the Cavs and Celtics. So if he's not himself and Al Horford's actually able to get going, that series becomes a lot tougher. And I don't think anybody right now expects the Cavs to actually have a championship season here unless something dramatically changes. But in terms of actually getting to the finals and having a better chance of keeping LeBron this summer if Tristan's not able to return to form and if he doesn't come back healthy and and playing like himself things could get really dicey for the Cavs in a hurry yeah absolutely and like it's not that I say coming back will be great because he's a he's a good player or a good offensive player and he could probably win a bunch of quarters that ended up winning a bunch of games for them and he's not Derrick Rose regular season right he's not Derrick Rose exactly um but they're like their offense is good like even right now, even with the dumpster fire that they are, like their offense is good. It's the fact that they're the worst defensive team in the NBA. So right. I completely agree. Like Tristan coming back, being able to play the pick and roll the way he does, anchor the defense inside. Um, he's not a great rim protector, but he does enough while still being able to grab whatever rebounds they need or or you know take a, a an offensive rebounder away so that you know LeBron can come in and get the rebounds or whatever, or Kevin Love can. Like he does enough on that end to where if they shave off. You know, if they even just become a top 20 to 15 defense 
at once he comes back for the rest of the season, the offense is good enough that like that should be enough to get them through the, the East. But imagine like how how panic well not panic necessarily, but like how different would this feel if Gordon Hayward didn't break his leg? Right. Like if he, if he right. hadn't broken it overnight and they were just, and let's say they're still like this is in a vacuum and and they still won nine straight and whatever um, they're or ten. Yeah. Nine straight. And they're nine and two right now. Um, and Hayward's healthy and Kyrie's playing well and Horford's killing it. And Tatum and Brown look really good for young guys. Like if all this stuff's happening while the Cavs are going through all this, there would be a like maybe not panic, but you would start feeling like pretty uncomfortable. Yeah, there would definitely be concern. Although one thing I think is worth noting is the Cavs came into the season all fired up. They're like, okay, we're we're not doing it without Kyrie. Isaiah's going to be out for a little bit. Like a lot of the talk around the team was, okay, we're going to try this season. And then it was like immediately Gordon Hayward goes down. And then you lose your biggest competition in the East. And then it's kind of like, you go into Milwaukee, you get a good road win there, you you blow out the Bucks on their home court, and then it they just go flat, like they they go completely flat. And I think Dave McMenamin talked about how the Cavs locker room was dejected because they they view that there wasn't really that that competition there. And it, and as much as like I think that can be a factor and it might impact their focus, they they just can't take the regular season as lightly as they have in the past because this isn't a team that has time together. This isn't a team that knows what they're supposed to do when the games start mattering. And I, I know I, I've mentioned this stuff before, but it, it's just such it's so concerning that if they don't develop some of these good habits and figure out how to play with one another, I don't know if you can rely on figuring it out in the middle of a playoff series, because even without Gordon Hayward, Toronto's still a very good team. Washington's a good team. Milwaukee is a team that if you're not shooting well from the outside, which is some uh, an area where the Cavs are struggling, they're able to jump passing lanes. They're able to get out in transition. They're able to attack the paint and get to the rim at will, which is areas where the Cavs struggle. So if they don't take things a little more seriously, and I know this is mid-November, early November, but it it's it's going to be difficult for them, and they're going to have a tougher road than they realize. Yeah, and I think that, too, like there's a there's a similar thing in theory, there's a similar thing going on in, in Oakland, right? Like the Warriors don't look all that crisp on both sides of the, or not right. both sides of the ball, on the defensive side of the ball, right? Like they're like 22nd, 23rd or something in, in defensive rating. Um, they've been defending horribly, but they're also like having the greatest offensive season we've ever seen. Right. And it, it's only 10 games, but like they're, you know, talking to Steve Kerr had a great session in a, in a scrum before a, a Clipper Warriors game that I was, that I was at, um, earlier this week or last week and uh and and he basically talked about like look we can't like this is such a long hard road and i've done this before like when i was on the bulls you know that third year in 9798 like look like the it's just hard it's hard to have yourself mentally ready like i think our legs are fine it's the mental fatigue of these long extended seasons with this high pressure situation and and you know we can't just i can't just snap at these guys Mm -hmm. in in november like i can't i can't do that like that's not going to do us any good sometimes you have to wait for the team to to come to you and to be ready and and my job is making sure we don't form bad habits in the process like you can't you can't flip a switch if you've been developing bad habits all season so we have to find that balance with the Cavs, it's it's a similar thing like it's it's not terrible that they're losing games or that they're playing bad defense it's that you can see the bad habits forming 
And yeah. you can keep saying like, well, Tristan's back healthy. And when Isaiah's back healthy, this will this will change. And yeah, maybe it will. But not if everyone on the team is just developing these horrible habits that make it even harder to work your way back to that championship level or just Eastern Conference championship level. Yeah, and it, it's hard to even like with how bad they are defensively and how poor the communication is, it's tough to even figure out what type of game plan they're implementing. Like, I think Chris Towers had meant, noted that um, Jeff Green, there was multiple possessions in that Hawks game where he was switched on to point guards, and he asked, is this a, a trend with the Cavs this season? I'm like, there are no trends at this point. Like, there, there, right. there's <laughs> just no there's no cohesion at all. And it's like, even if they, they start stop the initial looks or whatever the opposing team's trying to do, all of a sudden, as soon as they get into their second and third look, everything falls apart and guys are left standing around and throwing their arms up at one another or in Kevin Love's case, ripping his jersey in half. Like, there's just... At least they're interesting. Like if, if with the Cavs, even when they're terrible, there's there's so much going on that at least it allows us to have content for a podcast. <laughs> right, and I think the troubling thing is like, all right, obviously the defense, they're getting torched at the three point line. Oh, like absolutely, absolutely torched. Torched. Like they've. All, I mean, we're ten games in. They've already been outscored by ninety six points at the three point line this season. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it's just bad. And so it'd be one thing like. I think there's stuff you can do if if they're just giving up too many shots inside. Like you can tweak defense rotations and get guys in front of each other. But if you're if you're missing the rotation to recover to the three point line, that I mean that's a that's a much worse sign to me than than giving up stuff inside. And I know the the shots inside are ideal because those are the easiest ones if you're just getting layups all day, right? Right. Um, even when you're factoring in you know the third point from a three pointer. But if you can't, I mean, if you can't cover the perimeter at all, especially against a Boston team or a Toronto team or a Washington team. Like these, these teams all have shooters. Yeah. And they all have versatile shooters, like guys who can play multiple position, multiple positions. So like they're going to have to be able to switch and recover and chase and, you know, run guys off three point line. And they're just not doing any of that. And there's a lot of time left. Like we keep having to make these qualifiers. There's a ton of time <laughs> left. And eventually it will, it will become a point where it's like, Oh, right. They've got LeBron. Like right. that's what that's the Trump card in the East, right? It's like, oh, right, LeBron still exists, and you get to the playoffs, and that's that's good enough in the East. But at a certain point, like you just you can't you can't give up forty one percent of the three point line. Mm-hmm. It it's so funny, like when you people really dive into early season quotes and stuff like that coming into training camp. And with the Cavs, it was like, okay, this is going to be a different team. I know a lot of people and even myself included, I thought there's a chance that this is going to be a better regular season team than last year because um, you got guys with a chip on your shoulder. You got Jay Crowder, who's upset about being traded. You got all these, Hey Boogie, how's it going? (laughs) Um, But you got all these guys that are like, pushing for to to remain in the nba you got derrick rose that's motivated uh you got young players like like jetty osman that that want to break into the nba um and and you got lebron who who's likely pissed off and and is going to be playing more power forward somewhere where he has more impact um but just so little of what they said going into this year has happened like derrick rose said oh well the nba made me into a scorer and i'm going back to my facilitating roots well (laughs) 
his assist percentage is like down to 10.2, which last year was his previous <laughs> career low of like 23. So he's just not passing to absolutely anybody. Um, Jeff Green is no—he's not occupying the Derek Williams slash and fast break role. They're—they're they're running like. Um, pin downs and and post ups from 18 feet out with Jeff Green and, and just the pieces aren't as seamless of a fit as l- last year or or in years past. But how they're being used or at least the decisions they're making on the court is is just baffling. Like you can do so much more with the talent that's on this roster, and it seems like the guys just don't know where to be. Like I, I don't think this all falls on Tyron Lou. I think it's simply guys just kind of freewheeling out there often. Yeah, I mean, I do think I I do think Lou has some real issues as a coach, and I mm-hmm. don't know how good schematically, um, you know, his stuff is. And I I've never been all that impressed. And you know, I don't want I don't want to take away from the title because it was amazing. But it, you know, one fluke title away from him looking like a pretty bad coach, right? Okay. Like or at least a, a pretty bad playoff coach in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and so I'm not terribly impressed with him. But I also think like at a certain point, like the players just have to be better. Like yeah. there's too much talent to the point where people are criticizing Jeff Green, and, and I'm and like I'm not this, Jeff like, Green's Jeff been Green okay. Fan. Yeah, <laughs> I'm looking at him. I'm, I'm like, I don't know. He's been like the third or fourth best guy on this team relative to what his role is. God, right? Like that. Like, yeah, no, me, you're like, right. Like I look at Jeff Green. I'm like, man, he's not even like the top ten problems I see with this team right now. Um, <laughs> which I like. That's that's a that's an amazing realization to have at at a certain point where um, it's like, yeah, Jeff green is like actually scoring for them and and no he's not a good defender and no he's not doing all this other stuff but like at least he's he's scoring at a rate that isn't detrimental so you're saying this is the year for jeff green (laughs) oh six man is locked up (laughs) oh god one thing that i think or i've been saying this since before the season and i think it they might be getting closer to that point but what would make so much sense is just starting Dwayne Wade next to J.R. Smith at the guard spot. Like, if Rose is just going to attack on every single possession where, where he touches the ball and and not use Kevin Love more and, and not ro- rotate the ball at all, like, just let him do that with the second unit. Let J.R. Smith guard point guards as he always has done and then wait on uh, the lesser of the two guards. And, I, I mean, Wade is simply a better playmaker um, you have the same spacing issues with him there as you have with Rose, maybe a little bit better. Um, but I, I just think it would help the cohesion of this team so much more. Hello? Sorry, Boogie actually uh, just unplugged my headphones. So I missed the, I missed the <laughs> I heard cohesion of this team, and that's all I heard. <laughs> no, no problem at all. Um, I, I was just saying how the, the Cavs should start Wade next to J.R. Smith rather yeah, than. Uh, I, yeah. I, I agree. Like, I, I think that I don't want to lump all Memphis point guards together by any means, but, like, you look at what Tyreek Evans is doing in Memphis right now. Um, I'm at University of Memphis point guards. Uh, but you look <laughs> at what he's doing for the Grizzlies right now, and, like, Tyreek Evans, like, this is this is kind of like once we figured out, oh, this guy's not a cornerstone by any means. He may not even be a starter. Like, this is exactly what you wanted out of him, right? Like, this right. rebirth into – being like this hyper aggressive attacker and it helps that he's shooting well from three and we've never really we haven't seen that consistently from him over the years but like he's shooting well from three he's killing in pick and rolls like he's just asked to go out there and attack in second units and it's working really well like maybe that is the role that derrick rose needs yeah no i I agree I, i mean he's not 
he's not playing well, I don't think, but like, all right, 15 points a game, 47% shooting. Um, you know, he's not hitting threes and he's not really getting to the, to the free throw line, but and he's definitely not passing, but <laughs> all right. Like, it, like if he's, if his job is just to go out there and demolish second units, I think they're like, I don't think he would be as good as Tyreek Evans has been so far, but I think there's like a middle ground there to where that's a better role. And Dwayne Wade is a much better passer. And you're right. He's like, it's the same level of a lack of floor spacing. So at least get a guy who's one, I think in theory, a better defender, especially if he's guarding twos and yeah, and he's got more length. Like, yeah, exactly. And you've got more length. You've got a little bit more size. Um, JR's guarding point guards, like you said, and, and the, the three point shooting, I think from JR will eventually come around to where like, that's not really an issue anymore. And you could say that with him next to Rose as well, but you can play more inside out with, with Wade because he's looking to pass and because he can post up and surround him with like love and, um, and Jay Crowder and, you know, LeBron and, and those guys to kind of play off that. Whereas with Rose, it's just, oh, go attack. And, you know, when you don't pass, like either you'll hit the layup, you'll hit the floater, or we'll just have to go grab an offensive rebound. Right. And it, I mean, it, it's so tough to watch. Like Rose was good in the Washington game. Like basically his game is the same every single game. He just attacks the basket on every single play and, and whether or not he makes his layups, kind of determines how effective he is that night. He right. he did he didn't make any against Atlanta and like actively sabotage the team every time he was on the court, but <laughs> against the Wizards like he was better. But the effect of that is all of a sudden you have Kevin Love who only took five shots the entire night and they were all like basically corner threes. Like a big part of Kyrie going was the hope that Kevin Love is going to be able to step up and maybe he's not capable of being the same guy he was in Minnesota anymore. Um, but he, he's still in his prime and he's still likely able to shoulder a bigger load than he has in the past. He's still probably able to be utilized more as a passer, initiating sets and stuff like that. And I think you have a higher likelihood of doing that with Wade in there rather than Rose, who just isn't going to get him the ball. And, and typically when LeBron's getting the ball, um, unless you're spotting up as a shooter, there, there really isn't a lot of involvement from LeBron. Like, he, you don't yeah. see him run the pick and roll looking to set up Kevin Love or anything like that. It's usually drive and kick with him, which, uh, I mean, Love is capable of doing that role, but it, it's just not the best use of his talent. Yeah, I mean, the way Love has been used in Cleveland, like, drives me insane, and you got a title out of it, so, like, it wasn't all for naught, but, like, to me, no, I'm I with you. Thought, <laughs> yeah, I always thought, like, Admit, and some people think this is stupid, but like I always thought, like he should be the number two guy. Kyrie should be the number three, playing off the, off him and LeBron, just from a pure offensive standpoint, because he is the passer. And not and like the Kyrie point guard thing is a little overdone at this point, but yeah. because Love is such a gifted passer for his position, like Kyrie's not a gifted passer for his position, right? Like he can do it, and he does it enough. Usually to like you know you get five six assists a game and and that's fine from him especially when he's dropping twenty three to twenty seven points a night so that's fine but with love if he's giving you three to four assists per game that's not typical for power forwards mm-hmm. so to be able to utilize that you can kind of just throw off these these defensive schemes a little bit better now with Kyrie gone it is insane to me that Kevin Love isn't used more as like a go to guy and a facilitator right um, and so and, and and to that point like if he was playing alongside Wade more in the, the starting lineup and Rose is coming off the bench. Uh, you know, Wade is a, is a brilliant cutter. 
Like he just knows how to space the floor. Like people have written, I think Tom Haverstow wrote about this years ago, like the gravity of him, despite not being a shooter. Um, you know, there, there's a lot going on with how to play off that. And love is such a good passer that he'll be able to, to find him in all the situations. And obviously like he can find LeBron, he can find Jane Crowder, he can find Tristan. And so like, you, you know, there's a lot you can do there. You can find Jr. But with Rose, it's weird. It's like he cuts in the way of his teammates so often. Like mm-hmm. he'll cut where another guy is cutting. He'll cut into a <laughs> driving lane LeBron's trying to create. He'll cut like into a Kevin Love post up where it's like I'm like, oh, they're gonna run a you know a handoff here. Nope, he's just in the way. Like he's just in the <laughs> way. He's just a child who's run onto the field. Like that's what it is. Like there, it's this weird thing of like I've never seen a guy who's still good enough offensively that you would think he would have just a better awareness of where to cut and when to cut and how to utilize that. And it, and it's like, I'm not even trying to crap on him. Right. Like I just, I can't understand it. Like it's weird to see him cut seemingly at the most detrimental times. Know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of when you're playing pickup with a bunch of people and you have that one guy that his main sport was football and he has almost no touch at all, but like he's right. just aggressively cutting all the time and it never makes any sense. That That's what Rose feels like to me. Right. Yeah. And like, I, you know, give him the ball and let him drive. Sure. But when he's cutting, he's cutting in the way of things, um, you know, that offense that's still pretty good. It, it's it slides a little bit and you end up having to create tougher shots and then you look like you're just coached by jason kidd mm-hmm. yeah it's one of the god jason kidd's been bad um but that's a story for another day but one of the like one of the frustrating things about covering the Cavs and, and talking about the Cavs is if you make too big of a deal out of things especially in the regular season you're you're going to look ridiculous to some extent. But right. then if you just simply say, oh, everything's going to be okay, they have LeBron, then then you come across as a homer. But one of the things that actually does concern me so far this season, and I, I think it should be concerning to Cavs fans, is with Kevin Love, just how they're not getting used to him running sets and initiating the offense. Because not I, I know Isaiah Thomas is going to come back, and, and he, he's a He's a great offensive player, but so much of what he did last year was working off Al Horford and and using a lot of sets similar to what they could do with Kevin Love. And you're seeing Kyrie get a lot of easy looks working off of Al Horford in Boston. And I just don't think Isaiah Thomas, I don't think you can have him come back and just plug him into all the same sets Kyrie did. Like, I don't think you can just tell him, okay, work in isolation every single play and and score yeah. 25, 26 points per game. Because that's that's what Sacramento and Phoenix asked him to do, and he wasn't as effective as a player. Like, I just think, as you mentioned before, even Dwayne Wade cutting baseline, he's such a smart cutter that I, I think you can take advantage of that, especially if you're act- running action with Isaiah Thomas and Love or LeBron and Love. But if none of those sets are being implemented, I think – once Isaiah Thomas comes back, it's just going to be more awkward standing around and trying to figure things out for a while. And the only way that they can kind of minimize that and make the transition smoother is by implementing some of those sets with love now. Yeah, and 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 it's not just about like making sure the guards are used to it. Like I think Kevin Love is super talented and he's a smart basketball player and he'll be able to to work it. But you can't just flip a switch and say, okay, now we're running this stuff. 
Like, because Isaiah Thomas is back. Well, you have to run that with him and other guards so that he is in the repetition of it. He knows where he where he's supposed to be. He knows where everyone else is supposed to be. And and guys are comfortable playing off it to where you are just plugging in a guard. Because if you were to flip that switch and just say, all right, now we're going to do all that stuff that you did with Horford, except now you have Kevin Love, who's a lot better at all that stuff. Right. Like right. He's a lot. He's a lot better at doing all these things that you were so successful with without Horford. Uh, go do it. Except Love hasn't been doing it this entire season. Yeah. So now like you he hasn't done it in years. Right, exactly. Yeah, he hasn't done this since really Minnesota. And so now you have two guys kind of trying to relearn this this stuff with new teammates and it's just too hard to do. So I agree like they should be running this stuff because and I and I'm a Horford like I like Al Horford, but he's he's not nearly as good on offense as Kevin Love is in really any aspect. Of right. It. And that's not a knock on Al Horford. It's that Kevin Love is that good offensively. They just never use him and we've all forgotten it. Yeah, Ke- Kevin Love's pretty damn good. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to say they'd never use him. He has a twenty-five percent usage rate, but they don't they don't use him in the ways that would be the most advantageous. Right, and and, and I agree with you. Um, your, your point earlier about how they they could have used him more with Kyrie. Like, I think they could have made everybody's lives easier. They they could have made Kyrie's easier. They they could have had a a better, less predictable offense if they used Love more in those ways. But I yeah. mean, that- and, you, and you can look at too, like. Like even looking at other teams, like look at what Blake Griffin and, and JJ Redick were able to do with like dribble handoff situations, right? Like they they tour teams. Like you telling me Love and J.R. Smith can't do that? Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. there's just so much they can do. And I'm not saying you build your team around Kevin Love. Like you have LeBron, L- let LeBron do what you know LeBron things. But you can stagger things to where Kevin Love is the main star on the floor when LeBron takes a break, and and at least offensively. You're not losing anything and you can you can just you can do so much with that. And that's been that was my problem with Blatt and that's my problem with Lou. And and I'm not trying to come off as like a Kevin Love Homer by any means. I just I know I've seen what he can do up close and they don't do really any of that. Right. And and I'm a bit of a Tyron Lou defender. Like I, I think overall he's a pretty good coach and the accountability stuff. I always found it tough to hold him accountable um, for the lack of effort in the regular season and stuff when it was clear David Griffin, the general manager, was okay with it. Um, the ownership at the top was okay with it. It was the approach LeBron wants to do. So if it's an organization-wide decision, then it's tough to really pin that all on Lou. But when you talk yeah, about the schemes right. and how they're used, like that's not something that it's like, oh, we need you to go 110%. This is simple stuff that can make everybody's lives easier and it the Cavs just simply don't do it and 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 it's frustrating to watch year after year and I it was funny before the season um Carter and I were were talking about oh Lou says he's going to get love more involved and and Carter was really really skeptical about that and and so far he appears to be right yeah (laughs) he does appear to be right and I think too that um I don't think it's time to panic, but no, because because it is still like the East still sucks, right? Like there's, <laughs> there's not really a good second team in the East when Cleveland gets their stuff together. But at the same time, that run has to end eventually. Right. Now, LeBron's playing out of his mind. And so it seems crazy to think like LeBron would be this good and the run would end. But it does have to end eventually. And it it's still a team surprised. sport. Yeah, it's still a team sport. And like. I don't think Milwaukee is that far off. Like Boston, I don't really take seriously in that role, and that may be stupid of me, but I don't take them seriously in that role without Gordon Hayward. Yeah, they're, um, they're, they're young, they, I, and, and they match up poorly. Like they, they're not a good rebounding team. And um, Yeah, and I, Cleveland just kills them with that, right? I mean, that's 
that that's something, especially when Tristan Thompson's back and he's right. Like that that matchup with Al Horford is just it just sucks for Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, and Washington, I think is I think they're good and they have an amazing like small ball lineup, but they they don't really have a bench, and so right. not really all that concerned with them because I just think those guys will be spent by the time they have to get through Cleveland. Uh, Toronto. Find, they find a way to Toronto things up at the you know in the playoffs. <laughs> like I you know I really want to believe in Toronto because I love Kyle Lowry, but I just I'm I'm done with that with that hope. But Milwaukee because Giannis is that dynamic. Let's say they get Jabari back in February and by April or May, he's he's good enough to play 20 minutes a night, right? Yeah. Chris Middleton's good. They can switch everything. They have Chris length. Middleton's can, so damn good, especially yeah, if he returns to form. Like if he's if he's playing as well as he did like two years ago before he got hurt, like all of a sudden you're talking about a guy that's like in the 90th percentile percentile as an isolation scorer, but also a great spot up shooter that can defend three positions. Like that's yeah, one of the he, most. And he's a good passer. Like he sets guys up really well too. Like he can really do just about everything. He's so. So good. then you're asking like guys like Brogdon and Delvadova and Thonmaker and John <laughs> Henson to just. To just fill their role, like not like go beat LeBron. Like you just have to fill your role and compete with the other guys on Cleveland's roster. Like I don't think it's that far off to think Milwaukee could be the team that overtakes them. Now this year, that seems optimistic uh, because they they do have a lot to figure out. And Jason Kidd is still their coach. And I you know I've I've been a Jason Kidd coaching not fan, but just like understander of in, the, <laughs> in the past couple of years this year, I'm watching. I'm just like, what is happening? Like this offense is Earl Watson esque. And it's just that you have Giannis and, and he's, he's that good to create everything for everybody, create stuff for himself. Um, so the Jason kid part, you know, terrifies me a little bit, but it does like, they're not that far off from being a team that at least could make a vulnerable Cavs team worry. Especially so, like, if they get blood. So, yeah, if they get Bledsoe and they don't have to give up too much for him, like that's I'm not a huge Bledsoe guy, but putting him as like the second or third guy on that team is huge and, right. and gives you a lot, especially like if they're going against Isaiah Thomas, having someone like Bledsoe hawking him the whole time, like that's that will matter, especially if Isaiah can't get back to you know 100, percent which I I don't think he will in this first year back. Um, so like the long story short version of that is Cleveland will probably be fine, but the run does have to end eventually and. And I do think there's a team that's not that far away from truly challenging them unless Gordon Hayward magically heals and, and gets back. Then there's two teams. Yeah, Milwaukee's always been the team that I, I always felt like they were the successor in the East. Obviously, Boston putting together the team that they have, if they're healthy, um, they're, they're, they're going to be around for a while. And uh, Jason Tatum and um, Brown both look so good right now. Um but yeah, the length and just the areas that Milwaukee is strong in really go poorly with the Cavs' weaknesses, and, and that's right. what it really comes down to. And there's also just the possibility that Giannis goes LeBron against Detroit in the conference finals, and right. and you get that passing of the torch. Like he he is that good that he can win a series, and and he he certainly looks poised to be the best player in the league, yeah, even I mean, without that, a three point shot. Like he's right, just like he's such an He's such an outlier that he he can do it against anyone. He's, I'm writing something on the on the Buck supporting cast for tomorrow, and 46 percent of or of Giannis's shots come within three feet of the rim, which is ridiculous because everyone is trying to keep him from getting to the rim. Uh, but even <laughs> more ridiculous than that is he's making 82 percent of those shots. Good God! Like they're trying to stop him at the rim. They're trying to keep him from the rim. 
half of his shots come there and he's hitting 82%. Like it's, it's just crazy. And like that, that Cavs team in 2007 sucked, right? Yep. Like that team sucked. Like they had identities, but they sucked. Hey, that, Eric Snow was a legend, man. <laughs> Eric Snow was a legend. Like, shout out to him. <laughs> shout out to Sasha Pavlovich and Zajunas Ogaskis. But, um, but like that team sucked, and LeBron was that good. That Detroit team was really good, but they were vulnerable. Like you can kind of you can kind of see the similarities. You know, I guess it would end up being eleven years later. Right, right, and especially with the age of those teams. Like that was an aging Detroit team. This is a Cavs that it's. Instead of the flying death machine, it's the nearing death machine. Like there, there's, <laughs> there's, there's reasons to be concerned. <laughs> yeah. At the same time, that Detroit team didn't have LeBron. No, like, LeBron no, they, is still <laughs> <stupid>. <laughs> no, that Detroit team didn't. Although I always wonder what would happen with Detroit, and this is just a complete tangent. But if they did draft Mellow, like that would have been so interesting. And I, I've always been a Mellow defender. I don't know about you, but um, oh, I'm a Mellow guy. Even now, like I, a guy that can. You know, I love I love guys who can get buckets, but a guy not only that gets buckets, but like he still draws the attention of a defense. And I I just think that matters. Like I get all of his problems, I get all of his um, failures and all this stuff. But especially now as a number two number two guy, and he probably should be a number three guy. They got to figure out that hierarchy with him and George. But as a number two guy, like I'm all in on Melo, even at this stage. <laughs> of career, like, I'm just like I that guy can score and that guy can dominate stretches of games offensively and yeah he sucks on defense and he's he's not going to move the ball enough but it, if you stagger things the right way like he can be devastating still speaking of guys you're in on you're going to be going against everyone else we've had on this pod but uh, i'm gonna to have to ask you about brandon ingram because we do it almost every show because <laughs> i know i know you're in on brandon ingram but as soon as he was mentioned as part of the lakers pitch when they're when they said lonzo ball and brandon ingram are going to be the reasons why lebron's going to the lakers that's that's when the slander came so give me your spiel about why you believe in ingram he's good that's why like i, I don't <laughs> think i don't think people realize like, Sure, he was bad as a rookie. Most rookies suck. Even if they do well, they still suck. And I don't think people realize that. Like, we see these numbers and like, oh, cool, Damian Lillard averaged 18 points as a rookie or whatever it was. He still sucked as a rookie. Yeah. Because rookies suck. They're and he was really older. It's, <laughs> yeah, it, right, exactly. It's rare that rookies actually matter. Right. Like, all, the, all they're there to do is give us highlights and give us hope. Mm-hmm. That's all rookies are there for. And occasionally you get one who, like Kawhi, who, who contributes to a good team. Or Jetty Osman, who's already the best small forward Jetty on the Osmond, team. Jetty Osman, like maybe the like something happened in the last game. It, oh, it was in, in the Atlanta game. So I I can't remember what happened, but I, I think it was like they forced a key turnover or something like that, and they cut. Or no, this is what it was. Isaiah Taylor missed a free throw. Yeah, like they were still playing the free throw game. Isaiah Taylor missed a free throw, and and Osman, like they cut to a shot of him, and he like no one's ever been happier like my niece at disney <laughs> for the first time have never been happier than him during that mystery throw so i'm all in on osmond uh, but uh but ingram like he sucked as a rookie he struggled in the preseason because they're asking him to do something that he's not really fit to do but now that the season has started they've pulled back his role enough and asked him to attack in a certain way like look these aren't world beater numbers but he's averaging 15 points a game on 45% from the field, 38% from three. He's a bad free throw shooter under 70%, but like the guy can score. The guy's long and he's, yeah. I think he'll be a decent enough rebounder in his position. I think he can move the ball a little bit better than he has. Um, and eventually he will get strong enough to where there's not a lot you can do defensively to, 
to keep him off his spots uh, of where he wants to score on the floor. So, like, is he going to be Kevin Durant? No. And that's what everyone holds against him. Like, I thought this guy was Kevin Durant 2.0. Shut up. Mm-hmm. Like, we make dumb comparisons. <laughs> Austin Rivers was the next Kobe when he was in high school. Like, these things happen, right? right. Andrew Wiggins was the next LeBron James. These things happen. We we get too excited about high, about 16-year-olds in high school. And shout out to Andy Lou. And mm-hmm. we get too excited about 16-year-olds in high school. And then we <laughs> – and then we and then we start like throwing these stupid comparisons at them, and then we and then we saddled them like like Brandon Ingram came out and said I'm Kevin Durant. Like mm-hmm. that's not what happened. So we got to stop judging players on that. Mm-hmm. But for to be fair, R.J. Barrett is going to be the greatest player in the history of the NBA. Hundred <laughs> percent, I completely agree on that. But um, but like if you just look at like twenty year old guy doesn't have any strength or like NBA strength playing against grown men. Being able to score the ball the way he does with this little experience, if like you don't, all, you can't always grade on a curve and just say like, "Oh, this guy's so young, look how good he is." But, it, but there is a certain point where it's like, man, this guy for where he is and where he should be, he's good. Mm-hmm. And I think if you can, if you can trust that he will, you know, progress naturally over the next five six years, that's really good. Now, is that something like, like you know, is twenty five year old Ingram? Uh, down the road going to be enough for like LeBron next summer to go, you know what? I'm going to the Lakers because look at that Ingram guy. Probably not. Like LeBron goes to the Lakers. It's probably not because of Brandon Ingram. It's probably because uh, they added two other stars somehow. Exactly. Or like they traded Brandon Ingram to go get a star. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Ingram, he's likely moved for one. Yeah. Ingram for a second year player at 20 years old is good mm-hmm. and he's going to get better and he's going to be really good in this league. And I, it's crazy to me that we just keep judging him based on how good Kevin Durant was. And right. so that's why, like, I, like, look, I'm all in on jokes. Let's make jokes as much as possible. I oh, of love course. jokes. Because sports are so stupid. Sports are just so, so dumb. What we do is so dumb. <laughs> like, the fact that I have a career that is so dumb. Like, what are you people doing with your lives to where people like myself can have a career doing this? It's so dumb. <laughs> but since I can take advantage of this at the same time, like, you look at this stuff and, like, He's just going to be good. He's going to be really good. Like, is he going to be an All NBA guy? I don't know. That seems like a stretch. Is mm-hmm. he going to be an all, uh, like an All Star? Yeah, maybe. Like, he could end up being that good. And at worst, I think he's like a twenty to twenty three point game, per game scorer in his prime on really good shooting percentages and moves the ball a little bit. And defensively, like, I think he'll end up being a good player. He's not right now, but I think with his length, like, it's unlikely he's Darius Miles. <laughs> Can we just talk? Speaking about this league being dumb, we got some breaking news. LeBron just on his Instagram posted the Arthur mean with the clenched fist saying mood. Okay. Okay. Cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love this league. Sure. I love this fucking league. <laughs> uh, oh, there's more to this. Oh, there Damian is. Lillard commented saying this post hella funny. <laughs> I see. Not only that. Isaiah Thomas replied to it. Need me to handle handle something, cuz? This league is so stupid, and I love it. Oh, it couldn't be better. It couldn't be This is what I love about LeBron. Like, the subversiveness of LeBron, I think he probably does more harm in these situations than we we really know because we're not inside those locker rooms and everything. Um, And I think this can be a really, you know, just a detrimental thing. But at the same time, even if it is – he knows how to give us something else to talk about. He really like, does. Like, like the fact that we were 
like looking at him wearing a Yankee hat in 2010 and like, whoa, does that mean he's going to the Knicks? Is he trying to tell us something? Like, and then he, he he'd throw up the hands and everyone's like, oh, he's he's signing with the Nets. He's going to be with Jay-Z. Remember right. how big that was? Yeah. It's like, no, he's just friends with Jay-Z. Nobody wants to play for the Nets. Like, <laughs> Nets. Oh, he, he's... He's, he's the best. And the people that have like this perception of him being like this super controlling guy that tells the Cavs exactly what to do, it's clear he's way too passive aggressive to to take that approach. Like <laughs> he's always going to communicate through Instagram. This yeah. this if might anything, not I can see him like sending a text to Kobe Altman just being like, Man, I'd hate it if we traded for Eric Bledsoe. Yeah. Like, just some sarcastic <laughs> text like that. You know, like to where Kobe's like, all right, I guess I got to start looking into trades with Phoenix. You know, like I can see that. I don't think he's going in there going, if you don't give me Eric Bledsoe, I'm leaving next summer and I'm taking Jay Crowder with me. Like, I don't right. think that stuff's happening. <laughs> I'm taking Jay Crowder with me. I uh, love it. This this doesn't beat LeBron's man in the mirror picture after the, the Rockets lost oh a couple God. years ago. That, that was that was an all timer. I think the best, though, now that I just thought of it, was the one where it was like an animated picture of him as Batman putting on the mask. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. <laughs> that was that was truly the dumbest moment in our sports history. I want to know who he, like, contacted to make that graphic. Oh God, I kind of I just hope it was on some random Tumblr thing. And he found, and this guy has never spoken up saying, "Hey, that was mine." Like just some random Tumblr where LeBron is like, is like just searching LeBron superhero. It'd be and really great. Came up, he's like, "I'm gonna use that." It'd be really great if, like, you know how Twitter now, when you take like the the code from someone's like image or or video, it now says like the source of it. If that was around right. back then, it was just some random guy with like 200 followers that LeBron like stole a meme from. <laughs> <laughs> then it's just like, like buy a Tumblr's, you know, Beefcake69 or something like that. Like it was just some <laughs> random weird name like that. <laughs> and everyone would be looking at that guy's location and figuring that's where he's going to play next. Right. It's like, oh, that guy's in. Guy's in Albuquerque. That's pretty close to Phoenix. Maybe he's going to be a son. <laughs> I see the Phoenix Suns just sent the Brooklyn Nets Twitter account, the Arthur meme. This this <laughs> night's going to get weird and fun. <laughs> this is going to get. We have like three games, and it's going to get real stupid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I can't wait for the aggregators to hit that. I mean, I'm I'm one as well, but still, I it, it always it tickles my heart. Um, yeah, if, if if you're aggregating that and you're not making fun of just what we what we're doing as a society in sports, like yeah. <laughs> you gotta you gotta reevaluate some things. Oh, here's the first one. LeBron's angry Instagram post could be about watching Kyrie or a message to the Cavs. Oh. <laughs> what if he bet? What if he just like bet a ton? Like, what if he put like three hundred thousand dollars on the Packers? <laughs> and they're just getting smoked by the Lions. He's like, God damn it. I, I had no idea football was happening, but I, I guess it is Monday. <laughs> All right. Uh, before we get out of here, um, you have to play the little game we've had going on now. Um, we call it Net Positive, where we look at the upcoming week for the Nets, because the Nets are obviously going winless for the rest of the year, and you need to gas sure. up their opponents and say nice things about them. Um, so okay. right now right now they're playing Phoenix. We don't care about Phoenix. We We talked about them last week. Um, their opponent tomorrow, though, is Denver. They're in Denver. Say nice things about the Nuggets. Say nice things about Jamal uh, Murray, because I'm Canadian. Jamal, 
Jamal Murray does the does the arrow the arrow thing right after a, a main yep. shot. I love that. I'm a big Robin Hood fan. Uh, Robin <laughs> Hood, Prince of Thieves, great Kevin Costner movie. Really into archery. Uh, it's may- maybe my favorite summertime Olympic sport that doesn't get talked about enough. So big into archery. So big into Jamal Murray and uh, Nikola Jokic. You know the internet loves him. <laughs> The internet really does love Jokic. All right, on Friday, <laughs> on Friday they play Portland. Um, other than commenting on Instagram posts, what what uh, what do the Blazers do well? Uh, well, Damian Lillard's new album is really good, like legitimately good. Like is not it? just like, hey, yeah, it's good. Hmm. It, and it's and it's not like it's not like uh, like oh Shaq made an album, we got to pretend this is good, or oh Dwight made a joke, we have to pretend he's funny, right? Like it's not one of those things. It's like it's it's actually a good album, like front to back. If you listen the whole way through, the stories, or like the not the story, but like the vibe of it, it flows really well. Good songs. There's just a couple of like the R and B hits that I'm not I'm not big on. Um, I wish he would stay away from that a little bit. But as a rap album, really good. C J McCollum, really interesting guy. Obviously a killer on the court. Great scorer. Uh, he interacts with me on Twitter. Big fan of that. Yusuf Nurkic <laughs> might punch somebody. We don't know. We don't know what he's going to do. He might wrestle a bear at halftime. Uh, he could he could be in a pottery class and just be really good at that. Like he's got he's a man of many talents. Uh, Mo Harkless, you can sing. You know how could you be Mo Harkless? Yeah, uh, puns are the good. Tuna Kanye, and yeah, that's a good pun to make. Uh, Al Farouk Amino, you can say, you've got to be Farouk and kidding me. Like a lot you can do with this Blazers team watching them. All right, and finally, um, we got the Utah Jazz, which, I mean, Utah's nightlife is probably going to take care of that game. Uh, Tell us a little bit about Utah. Ricky Rubio. He's fun. (laughs) I still love him. He's got crazy hair right now. And now he shoots. And now he shoots. He's been been hitting jumpers since, like, last February, and it's it's a real thing. He can actually shoot off the dribble. Um, it's, It's real weird. I'm still trying to come to terms with it. Rudy Gobert looks like a, you know, like a Tim Burton drawing. Derek Favors is shooting threes now, which is weird. Uh, Joe Ingles looks like a six nine mechanic. Um, <laughs> what else? Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell's super fun. He's gonna dunk on somebody. So he's gonna dunk on. He's gonna dunk Rondé Hollis Jefferson into the rim. Not the basketball. He's gonna pick up Rondé Hollis Jefferson and dunk him in the rim. Joe Ingles really has the best dad bod in the NBA. It's not even close. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Oh God! I, I the the only thing that's really frustrated me with the, this Cavs season is, is the loss to the Nets. Like that that was the one that I was like, okay, really? Like I, I get you're going to lose to bad teams, but why do you have to lose to Brooklyn? Yeah, you can't you can't hurt your you can't hurt the draft the draft pick like that. Like that's just that's really it's. I know it's been a while. It's been like three years, four years since the Cavs were tanking. But you you have to. There's got to be some muscle memory there. To know, like, the true tanking aspect of it is you make sure the pick is as good as possible. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't, the Cavs aren't tanking, but they should make it to where it looks like the Nets are tanking, and they didn't do that. Maybe that's what they've been doing, like, since losing to the Nets. They're like, oh, well, we blew that, so now we have to make sure Orlando, Atlanta, Chicago, all right. these teams. <laughs> yeah, they're maybe just... they're just trying to even it out. Oh, I like that theory. Mm-hmm. I think that's good. Now like... they realize we screwed this up. <laughs> We gotta, we gotta, we gotta fix this. Um, light years, light years, yeah, man. Light years, yeah. No, they know what they're doing. Now, all right, now I'm in. And who knows? Maybe they're just deciding we're not going to be good this year. 
we're going to get two top five picks. We're Ooh. really going to wrap like you think you think LeBron wants to play with Lonzo and, and Brandon Ingram. What if we got Luka Doncic and, and Michael Porter? What mm-hmm. if we did that? Yeah, you know, and, maybe and they're resting. They're resting him up. He, he's going to be rejuvenated. They're waiting out the Warriors. Um, they're they're hoping that Kevin Durant likes someone else and 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 joins the Rockets or something next year. Um, right. Yeah. This is like LeBron's probably texting like, "Yo, man, look how good the Rockets are. Like, imagine when they get Chris Paul back. That's yeah. a championship." <laughs> I like it. I really like this theory. We're we're, we're going to go with that. I think that's all the NBA. That that's that's probably what Sam and Andy would do in this position, and I, I always ask myself that. <laughs> no, they would just say Steph better to every single theory. That's, that's all they true. Would do. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Well, anyway, Zach, really appreciate you coming on. Um, for all our listeners, go ahead, go ahead and plug your stuff. Uh, talk hoops on Twitter, Fanrag Sports for the uh, the old NBA writings, and then I have a podcast, Talk Hoops with Zach Harper. A uh, real tough name to to remember if you follow me on twitter it's very uh, good it is very good subscribe to that thank you uh the basketball friends all the leverage chat stuff uh was speaks uh bom like all that stuff just subscribe leave us reviews support our sponsors uh all that stuff really matters and so your support tell a friend we uh two things i'm gonna steal this from comedian mike malloy uh he says if you like us tell your friends about us if you don't like us tell your enemies we'll take their money too <laughs> that's a good way to that's a good way to view life and then and then do the other the other version that Jade brought up the other day is like steal your friend's phone and subscribe to the podcast on on their phone and they'll never know. Please please do that. Uh, subscribe to our pod, subscribe to all the leverage to chats. I mean, yeah, sarcastic I, you're all Cavs fans, right? Sarcastically subscribe to to Lightyear's pod. Mm-hmm. Like just do it as like a, oh, this will, they'll think they're more important than they are. Let like inflate their egos a little bit to, so the letdown when Kevin Durant leaves for Houston, they're just devastated. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And man, like honestly, I, I I know I'm I'm being a plug right now, but I really do love all, all the pods that we got going. Waz speaks annoys me. It annoys me how good Waz is. Like that guy's gonna be a star. I don't know oh, what he's, he's gonna, gonna do. be arrested for he's gonna be on some kind of list from the government <laughs> or something. Like he's gonna he'll be in Guantanamo or something. Like we don't have to like it's good, but it's not gonna last long because he's gonna he's gonna get arrested for <laughs> something he says. Well, it's between Waz getting arrested and the Cavs becoming irrelevant for which pod's going to go down first. So let's hope LeBron stays. <laughs> let's let's hope. Let's hope. Let's hope Waz gets arrested. Let's. <laughs> well, I, w- I was going to take the different approach. I was going to say let's hope Waz stays out of jail and LeBron stays in Cleveland. But I don't know. Maybe we do pivot to an Orlando Magic podcast. That could work. Right, but if we, if we have to sacrifice one, it's probably Waz. <laughs> That should be a poll. <laughs> What's more likely, LeBron leaving or Waz going to jail? <laughs> that actually, that's 100, 100% be a poll with this podcast. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, thanks a lot for coming on, Zach. It's a lot of fun, a lot of great insight. Uh, as we've both said shamelessly a million times, rate, review, subscribe. It's the best way to sur- uh, support the show. Um, also, um, support draft. We're, we're not doing a live read. I'm not going to do a live read. Um, but yeah, um, uh, download draft and use promo code LTC. Um, help, LTC help. or or TBF. I got my own code. Tacos, oh. all one word. Screw those other codes. We got to pump go. up my, my ego now. Yeah, yeah. Sarcastically yeah. pump up my yeah. Use use a promo code talk hoops. Uh, don't use the other one. Well, no, you use the other ones. Yeah. Just don't use anyone else's outside. Yeah. Of you, you you were influenced by this pod, so 
go 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 use Zach's code. That's that's the best way to go. Yeah, you can add me, uh, talk hoops TBF on draft and challenge me to a draft in loose. Perfect. There we go. All right, Zach. Thank you very much. Thank you to all our listeners. And as always, go Cavs. <laughs>